has survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. You know, what's funny, uh, so so Kyle's back, by the way. Kyle, after a week recharging, a little week vacation here, he's back where he belongs on Flagrant Howl. So we welcome you back to the podcast, sir. Hello. Thank you. Tan everywhere, Jan everywhere, old Michael Scott. Uh, felt good. I was telling you before we hit record that my wife and I were listening to Flagrant Howl's last week when I think Judd just threw me under the bus, ran under, ran over me a couple times. Judd got squirrely, him. man. I love it. Judd for a second there thought, you know, this is the Mackie and Judd or like Purple <laughs> Podcast or Purple Daily. Purple Podcast. Uh, Purple Podcast was the original name of the feed of Purple Daily before it became a daily show. Okay. It's the first time I've said Purple Podcast in probably five years. It's funny how things pop in your brain. Um, I had to remind him, you know, this is the house that Kyle helped build here. Okay. You be <laughs> respectful. You wipe your feet on the doormat. Okay. Judd you take in your shoes just, off before you walk up and down the steps. I love it. Sportsnet just walked in and looked you in the eye and said, I'm the captain now. Yeah. He's like, we don't need him. And uh, <laughs> it was a great pod. I'm glad you got to uh, oh, a tough week for me to be off the grid, literally, um, with all the Pat Bev, Anthony Edwards noise. Um, but FIBA's well, you over. Just needed a bigger, you just needed a bigger platform for the week. That's what you needed out in Yeah, in that's islands. true. And I will say, I on my opinions on the whole Anthony Edwards bigger market stuff basically echoed everything you said, so... You said it better than I could ever, but uh, I have put out the bat signal to see if Pat Bev would like to clarify those comments. So maybe we'll have him on. Okay. Um, we'll see if he gets back to me. But uh, no, Pod was good. I'm glad to be back. And I think we have a special. I feel like today is maybe the end of the off season podcast for us. Uh, what we're going to jump into, and then maybe next week we can really kick off the 2023-24 season. But I know you've been working overtime, so well. I was going to say you before we turn the mics on. You had mentioned, hey, we, we have some like schedule stuff to discuss and some logistical stuff sort of off microphone. So, you know, maybe we can block out some of that time here because this podcast probably won't be that long. Right. It's an offseason podcast. And I had to remind you, I mean, I don't know how long it's going to be, but I have 100 Timberwolves on the list here ranked <laughs> one through 100. The top 100 Timberwolves of all time. Now we did. We did a version of this podcast thanks to uh, – you go back and listen to it. A listener sent us his top 100 Timberwolves. Yep. And we went through and kind of riffed off of that list. I have put together from scratch here my own top 100 Timberwolves of all time. And we're going to go through in like 10-player chunks, five or 10-player chunks. Really, um, the only criteria here for me was, well, they had to have played for the Timberwolves. Okay, obviously. And number two, peak performance outweighs longevity for me. So if you were great for a short period of time or you specialized in something for a short period of time, you're probably going to be a little higher up than if you were just on the team existing as a bench player for five years, right? Yeah. So I don't want to like spoil anything and name names here, but you can think of players that were here for short amounts of time that were really, really good. And maybe some players that were here for a long time and they weren't, they were fine. I'm giving more credence to how good you were at your peak. Yeah. Okay. Quality over quantity. I'm, yep. That's how I would do it too. I mean, no. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. Wait, yep. yeah, just right. Yeah. No, Quality yeah, over quantity. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I have some other, there's other ways to describe that, but we'll just leave. Okay. Let's hear it. Cause and I, uh, having, having one great skill too. Like if you were great at shooting threes or great at blocking shots, I tried to sort of make note of that where like if you because there's, you know, there's like 40 players that you could kind of put in a pot once you get past the first and second waves. 
So if if you were the best shot blocker in Timberwolves history, okay, you stand out from like the other random big guys that were also on the team for the twenty year period or something. Well, I just before we get into it, because I, I pulled up the list we did back in I think it was June, uh and Luca Garza was ninety ninth. So that just a reminds you about how difficult this is and how yeah. uh, it can really just zap your self-confidence, self zap your happiness to try to find a hundred Timberwolves players that were good uh, during their 34 year career uh, or season in existence. So, I mean, looking back at that, I mean, there are some names on there that's like, I mean, Chase Buttinger was in that top 100, uh, Mark Blunt, Mark Madsen. Uh, it is a really tough list. So I'm, Despite Purple Daily and the Twins showing no Minnesota sports right now is kind of popping good and bad. Uh, we appreciate you putting your time and effort into this because I feel like you're going to have some, especially at the top with quality over quantity, I feel like you're going to have some differences compared to what we did in June. And you named a couple players there that were on the previous list that did not make the 100. Spoiler alert, Luca Garza, all oh due boy. respect to oh. one of our favorite current roles, did not crack the top 100. His uncle is going to come for you. Enough. <laughs> please Garza family we love you hope hope for the best this season and uh and then somebody else you just said uh Craig said Smith oh, uh, Chase Buttinger uh, Buttinger did not make my okay. t- I would say Buttinger or Buttinger 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 no Naga 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 <laughs> not gonna work here anymore anyways best, best uh, he was probably a 101 player. he he was like on the outside looking in first okay. four out no yeah. more for his volleyball skills so Yep, and for his uh, multiple knee surgeries, probably. So this top 100 Timberwolves list is presented by our friends at Power Lodge and Miller Marine, okay? It's going to be 80 degrees again here in a few days in the Twin Cities, so there's still a few weeks left of what I consider summertime, okay, of what the calendar considers summertime, and there are hundreds of pontoons in stock across all Power Lodge locations in Brandon, Anami at Ramsey, and Miller Marine in St. Cloud, so you can check them out. Look at Kyle showing his family how to uh, how to drive one of these pontoons on one of the 10,000-plus lakes. So check them out, PowerLodge.com and MillerMarine.com. All right, sir, are you ready? Drum roll. Our graphics team was not able to put together visuals for this or for the YouTube audience. You're going to have to just envision these players <laughs> in your head. They were too what, depressed. What your favorite moments about these players. So let's go in... 10-player chunks here, so we'll go from okay. 100 to 91, and okay. then you comment on whoever you want to. Deal. Number 100, known for setting great screens and a great culture and waving a very white towel on the bench, Mark Madsen is the 100th greatest Timberwolf of all time. Okay. Okay. 99, Johnny Flynn. Mostly because I can't mentally comprehend not getting a top 100 Timberwolf of all time when you passed on Steph Curry. This is more wishful thinking, I think, that, hey, at least they got one of the top 100 Timberwolves of all time and Ricky Rubio, who's also on this list later on, when they passed on Steph Curry. So Johnny Flynn's 99. Wes Johnson, 98. Josh Okogie, 97. Darko Milicic, mostly for his... uh, his banking strategy of just putting cash under his mattress, 90, uh, 96, 95, Antoine Walker, 94, Rashad McCants, who once averaged like 15 points a game, 93, Derek Williams, the former number two overall pick, 
and could throw down an alley-oop once in a while for the Labasota Timberwolves. 92, Bobby Jackson, a good, solid backup yeah, point guard one. before going yep. to the Kings. And 91, 3D, Dennis Scott, more known for his time with the Orlando Magic and on NBA TV, but he once shot 43% from downtown as a Timberwolf in the mid-1990s. I mean, I don't want to, I'd love to dissect each of these, but this is, would turn into a 24-hour podcast. The Johnny Flynn one, he wasn't even close in the top 100 we did in June based on fan feedback. Uh, that, that's a, that, that might be a whole separate podcast. I was so in on that. Like, obviously, the Steph Curry stuff you pass on twice, all that's folklore now into this very entertaining franchise that we cover. But I just loved him. I loved him coming out of school, uh, that six overtime game for Syracuse. Uh, I, I wonder if he would be a guy. I mean, he deficiencies on defense for sure. He was a smaller guard, but he just makes me think of a guy that would have been really good in like today's day and age when you can play smaller, when you can play multiple guards in the backcourt. Like, again, the franchise. Oh, you're saying it was a draft pick ahead of its time. Kind of. <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, again, the, a backcourt of Steph Curry and Johnny Flynn or whatever wouldn't have worked defensively at all, but I just. I think Johnny Flynn would have had a better chance surviving in today's league uh, than he did back then. But that that hip stuff just kind of nuked his career. Uh, I just remember when they got him, I was I was pretty excited because that kid kind of was everything you'd want in a in a smaller guard. But I can't believe he made the list. That makes me think that the list as we get into like the 40s is going to be hella depressing. What's funny is I know there's a lot of people that are like, okay, you can't put Johnny Flynn in the top 100 list. But I would urge you once I'm done with this list. <laughs> go find me five or 10 for sure. Better options than Johnny Flynn. I'm sure there are. All right. So, but I so mean, I, I would say the last 20 guys on this list or for sure. The last 15 guys, you're just literally putting names on a wall that played for the Timberwolves. Again, Jalen Noel was 83rd on the list we did in June. So I think Johnny, I think Johnny Flynn just by career earnings or uh, smiles per 36. Yeah. probably deserves to be over Jalen. I'm going to say Jalen Noel was so bad last year. I punished him by putting him on the outside of this top 100 list. I'd rather have Johnny Flynn than last year's version of Jalen Noel. Although you could say that like peak Jalen Noel was better than peak Johnny Flynn, but I'm still upset about vouching for him the entire preseason and then him laying an egg. Is he on a team? Jalen Noel less than 12 months ago, you and I said was going to at bare minimum, get the Jordan pool contract, which I think was four years, 100 million. It is September 12th, and Jalen Noel does not have a team. Yeah. Uh, so unless the Shanghai Sharks start calling, uh, Jalen Noel might be in a little bit of a pickle and might have to be like a training camp roster guy, but uh, it has not gone well for Jalen this offseason. All right, number 90. We're going to go 90 through 81, then I'll okay. pause again. You can pick out a couple names to react to. Number 90, one of my favorite role players in the late 90s on those Kevin Garnett teams. And I think if I remember right, Kevin Harlan was the play-by-play guy when this dude was signed. He was a clipper. James Hollywood Robinson, a three-point shooter role player. Okay. Do you remember that, that, him? Nope, not at all, but I'm looking him up as we go. Kevin Harlan, James Hollywood Robinson. Great stuff. Uh, Spud Webb, okay. former five-foot-seven dunk contest guy for the Hawks, right? Yep. Came over to the Timberwolves. Nice little backup point guard for a minute. Stacy King was a Bulls big man. He's also like one of many random Timberwolves 90s big men on this list. 87, Thurl Bailey, 
So Thurl Bailey was a rock solid power forward for the Utah Jazz throughout the 1980s. And then he was among like the early late 80s, like early 90s Timberwolves teams for at least a year or two, kind of in the twilight of a rock solid career. But he was a good, solid power forward. Uh, Chris Carr for participating in a dunk contest and Gerald Green for blowing a candle out on the back of the rim at a dunk contest. Those are 85 and 86. 84 is Wayne Ellington. 83, Martel Webster, who actually had one of the better three-point shooting seasons percentage-wise in Timberwolves history. Once shot 42% from downtown. 82, Mark Blunt. And 81, tell me what I do bad, Mike James. That is 10 of what I would deem the most depressing names ever. (laughs) And at least seven of those guys probably came after I was like in high school or at least middle school. So like I was aware of what's going on and probably six of them. I was like, these guys could be perennial all-stars. So that just kind of explains to you. Martel Webster was like a fourth overall pick. Wasn't he? Wasn't he like a top five? Yeah. Again, my brain is still on Island time, but I, I believe the wolves acquired Martel Webster from the blazers in a trade. There's like a Martel. I don't want to look it up now, but Martel Webster, I think famously had a moment where, the Wolves were like down three. He went for the layup with like went for the, the layup. clock ran out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's when I was like, oh, man. And because before then, I was like, is Martel Webster the best three and D guy in the league? And it's like, actually, he might not have the most elite IQ. But uh, OK, that's a tough group of 10. He uh, was the sixth overall pick in the 2005 draft, which is not a great draft. That was the okay. Rashad McCants draft. And uh, he did come over from Portland to the Timberwolves for a couple of years. I'm trying Wayne, to see what that trade was. Favorite player in that in that 10 you just listed was Wayne Ellington, who I think has had a much longer career than anyone ever thought. Really good three-point shooter, has bounced around the league. Um, but again, don't quote me on this, but he was part of, I believe, a championship team in Carolina. That's kind of my basketball team growing up, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I was excited to get Wayne Ellington in the second round. Uh, and I don't, I mean, I don't know. Not, now we're just both Googling things. I think Wayne Ellington might still be in the league. So shout out to Oh him. yeah. You know, he's yeah, he has carved out he's made millions and millions of dollars playing basketball. Martel Webster, by the way, was traded to the Timberwolves from the Blazers, excuse me, for uh Luke Babbitt and Ryan Gomes. <laughs> right if listen, I'm just spoiler alert. If Ryan Gomes isn't on this list, this list isn't real. All right, number eighty, Nemanja Bialitza. Okay. Number seventy nine, Shabazz Muhammad. Number 78, Marco Yarich. That was one of the worst trades in a franchise littered with bad trades and personnel moves. It was Marco Yarich. I think it was Sam Cassell and a first-round pick for Marco Yarich was the deal to the Clippers. I think so, yeah. Marco Yarich was, currently is, or might be in the future married to like Miss Universe. That's kind of all I remember. He was married him. to Adriana Lima, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Okay, yeah, yep. that vibe. Sebastian Telfair, number 77. Scotty Brooks eventually became the head coach of the uh, of the Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook Thunder teams, right? Just yep. a good hustle point guard in the early 90s. Dario Saric is 75. Dante Cunningham, 74. 73, Luke Longley before he went to those Bulls oh. teams and became part of the three-peat Bulls. It's a good, solid big man for the Timberwolves. Number 72, Cherokee Parks, another random big man during the mid-90s for the Timberwolves. And then uh, rest his soul, Malik Seeley, number 71. Good, solid wing player. Yeah, rest in peace. That was, he was a 
really good friend of Kevin Garnett, I believe, during, yes, their, he was. during their time here. Um, all right, my the biggest one that stands out to me, uh, Shabazz Muhammad. I'm just gonna just read again. I think sometimes I get deemed a little too pro Timberwolves, so I just want to bring this up. Back in the 2013 NBA draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves had the ninth overall pick. They selected Trey Burke, one pick ahead of CJ McCollum, who you might have heard of. Mm. They then traded that pick for two later first round picks, 14 and 21. At 14, they took your guy Shabazz Muhammad. Why is that notable? Because that pick 15 was a guy you might have heard of. He might be in top 100s around the league. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Wow. Yeah, so, you, you could play that game a lot in Timberwolves history. But they did get Gorgie Jang as well. And I will say, Shabazz and Gorgie for Trey Burke, who was kind of, I didn't really like him again, as much as I like Johnny Flynn, undersized guard coming out of college. Didn't really like Trey Burke. That was actually kind of a good trade, but you just so happened to miss on Giannis. Also, Dennis Schroeder, MVP of FIBA, was kind of paired between those two picks. So, tough, tough... Uh, Draft recaps and draft history is not something that Timberwolves fans should just go look up when they're free. Like, just no. don't do it. Just find something else to do. Read a book. It's a tough scene. I'm probably, with some of these, I'm probably, I'm trying to give more love. I was born in 85, so, like, I vaguely remember the early 1990s, some mm-hmm. of the OG Timberwolves. Like, Pooh Richardson was one of my first favorite Timberwolves players, and he'll be on this list later. So I'm probably giving, I'm, I'm trying to skew toward giving some love to Timberwolves from, like, the early 90s. So I've got Todd Murphy, who was a good role player for like three years for the like 1990-91 Timberwolves. Todd Murphy with one D, T-O-D Murphy. Uh, he's number 70 on my list. Thad Young, number 69. Nice. I'm going to put the Beasleys next to each other here. 68 is Michael Beasley and 67 is Malik Beasley. They can just both be out there uh, forgetting, you know, the game situations <laughs> You know, streaky shooters, whatever. Malik Beasley, I will give him credit. He was actually one of the best three-point shooters there for a couple years in Wolves history and awful at everything else. Like, unplayably bad at almost everything else, but did once average about 20 points in the season. 66, Tyus Jones. 65, Torian Prince. 64, a guy who drove me nuts, J.J. Barea, because I feel like... Every other shot was him trying to dribble through trees in the lane and getting rejected by the underside of the rim. Uh, Lafonso Ellis had a really good season as a role player. It was like one season during the KG run is number 63. Pat Beverly, another great one season run as a role player, number 62. And then Jamal Crawford is 61. That's a lot to get into. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it's probably coaching malpractice, managerial malpractice to ever put the two Beasleys that close to each other whether it be on the plane, the bus, or in the locker room. But Michael Beasley was, and there's a handful of guys in this top 100 or just Wolves history that was actually like a smart move, right? Like it's a team that's taking kind of, it's like the what the, you know, to go to the Vikings. It's like what the Vikings do, right? Like you go get a guy that didn't work out, highly drafted for another team. You see if you can resurrect his career. The problem is for the Wolves during, you know, whether it be Darko or Michael Beasley and stuff, they didn't have the culture to kind of rejuvenate those players. They brought him into one of the worst cultures in the league. So never worked out. But I, I really, I'll tell you what, man, when Michael Beasley came through, I was like, this is it. Like we got, we got a guy. Cause he was so good at Kansas state. Yeah. And I was like, he just needed to change the scenery. And uh, nope, that wasn't the case. One of the more prominent moments of my media career came in, I think 2010 on 1500 ESPN. And oh. I was hosting a show with Patrick Royce, the Royce and Mackey show. 
It was a three-hour daily sports talk show. And we had David Kahn at the time, the Wolves president of basketball operations on our show. And we asked him about Michael Beasley and just kind of, you know, what's what's going on with that guy? You know, I remember what the exact question was. And David Kahn launches into one of the most infamous answers in Timberwolves front office history when he said, you know, Michael and I have had some good conversations. And Michael, I'm going to be honest about Michael. Michael smokes too much weed. And he just like <laughs> opened up about Michael's weed smoking live on the radio. This is like before it was legalized in any states. It was very much a taboo subject in the NBA. But uh, Michael Beasley smokes too much weed is apparently what the problem was back in the day. During, I think it was before COVID or right around COVID, I had learned that David Kahn was actually living pretty close to where I live out here. Um, I think he now has gone on to like own a basketball team in Paris, but he was living out in Portland, out in the Slabtown area. And I ran into him once uh, at a restaurant. I was a blog boy. And I had just kind of, intro- I just was like probably one or six drinks in. And I went and introduced myself. I was like, hey, you know, I'd just love to like get your thoughts. I'll let you write the article, but whatever you want to do. I'm just a kid trying to write blog pieces, but would love to get your thoughts, you know, like anything you wish you could have done differently, blah, blah, blah. And I talked, I talked, I talked, and he just looked at me stone cold and just said, get bleeped. And then just oh, walked really? away. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, uh, still, uh, my request is still out there, but he just kind of looked at me and was like, yeah, not, not going to happen. So. Not the most liked human being that no. I will say around. for that group of ten, I'm interested. I think we're going now what fifty nine or sixty down. We're going sixty down to fifty one here. I'm gonna struggle to find sixty guys that probably have a better Timberwolves history than Tyus Jones. So that's the first one that I was really gonna ding you for. But okay. I'm gonna give you the floor here to keep going. Yeah, I mean you can listen. I think you should be making notes of like who is the most egregiously placed here. So if Ty, if I Tyus Jones Tyus right now. Okay. Number 60, Robert Covington, a good yep, two-way, yep. three-point shooting wing player. 59, Randy Foy. 58, Mike Miller. Mike Miller should be way higher on this list, but he just refused to shoot in the one full season that he was here. Mike, Mike Miller debuted quiet quitting in the NBA. He just yep. quietly quit on the Timberwolves. <laughs> Super weird. If you look at his stats, it's like one of the great three-point shooters in the NBA, and then he just and then you watch the games, he would pass up wide-open threes and just keep swinging the ball around. Anthony Tolliver, number 57, 56, and 55 are two undersized but scrappy power forwards from the KG era. We're going Craig Smith and Gary Trent. Gary Trent Sr. Good. Gary Trent Sr. was a much better basketball player than I think people realize. Like he said, just kind of did like a little, not Josh Hart by any means, but just kind of a guy that did a lot of stuff at a different position that. You never would look at the box score the next morning in the newspaper and be like, oh, Gary Trent, what a great day. But he was kind of the guy that you would have on a winning team. Little Bobby Porter. He's like a, six, like a six foot six forward, like a power forward, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, in those yeah. days. Uh, Felton Spencer, one of the one of the better big men from the early days of Timberwolves basketball. Chuck Person, who I think came over from the Pacers, I want to say. Chuck Person once averaged 18 points a game in a season for the Timberwolves in the early 90s. Mo Williams, who once dropped 50 points in a game. And then Troy Hudson is 51. So okay. those are the 50s. Yeah, I mean, again, nitpicking, but Tyus Jones, both the local angle, which, again, is not what we're doing here. This is Timberwolves-specific, but I just think Tyus Jones had more moments, was more enjoyable to watch. The Mike Miller era, Mike Miller is actually a pretty cool guy now. He's an agent uh, for some well-known players in the NBA, but I would 
much rather have Tyus over Mike Miller. But yeah, just another reminder, hearing Randy Foy's name just in general kind of just gives you like the, oh my gods, like yeah. totally believed in that guy. And he might be another one too, as I try to bring all these guys back from the dead. Randy Foy might have been a guy that in 2023 was much, had a much better ability to be successful in the NBA than he did back then. Uh, but health, again, kind of health, him. And then his shooting was pretty spotty. Too. Yeah, that's true. That's true for him. All right, we're, we're into the top 50 here. So the, the, we just went so far, so 100 good. to 51, and now we're going to give you the top 50 Timberwolves. This is, this is my list. You guys can agree or disagree. You can make your own list if you want to. If someone can get to 200, we will probably we'll, do we'll that list on. on this show at some point. Yeah. If you could give us 101 through 200, we would probably devote a show to that. Okay, number 50, Ryan Gomes. Number 49, a sneaky good defensive big man from the 90s, Dean Garrett. Oh, yeah. Okay. Number 48, Corey Brewer, another obscure wolf who dropped 50 points in the game one time. 47, the blocks per game leader in franchise history, Eddie Griffin. Okay. Yep. Number 46, AK-47, Andre Kirilenko, a.k.a. the Hall Pass. Number 45, Jeff Teague. 44, Luke Ridnour. 43, Rasho Nesterovich. I think we kind of look back at Rasho and kind of make fun. Rasho was a, was a good player playing next to KG. Number 42, Terry Porter. And number 41, not a great player like at his peak, but just a consistent Timberwolf and among the longest tenured Timberwolves, Doug West. Yep. Yeah, I think Doug, I think Doug West, again, a little before my time, but my dad always says like Doug West would be a top 10. We should get like Jim Pete's opinion on this. Top 10 underrated Timberwolves player, just because we don't really remember him. The, the franchise is littered with a lot of different types of guards and uh, he was one of the better ones. So I think we always think like Troy Hudson, Randy Ford, all these other names. But uh, Doug West was was a real one. He was an OG man. OG for sure. All right. Now we're into the top 40. So now we're getting these are more like some of these names are guys that that were good young players who popped or you know, some role players that played key roles on, you know, 45, 51 Timberwolves teams. Zach Levine is number 40. That's a big what could have been, man. Like if if he would have kept going, obviously he would have been probably closer to like top 10 of all time. 39, Ricky Davis. 38, Kevin Martin. 37, J.R. Ryder. Just a terrible team guy. And <laughs> and just like tons of talent wound up with the uh, the jailblazers in the late 90s. J.R. Ryder would be a max contract player right now for the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, what their culture is all about. Putting up 23, 6, and 5, and just losing by 18 points every night. I've got Nas Reed number 36. Nas Reed 36. Wow, okay, keep going. 35, one of the great three-point shooters in Wolves history, Fred Hoiberg. Yep, that's good. 34, uh, this man had one of the top 10 win share seasons in Timberwolves history, early 90s, Michael Williams. 33, okay. one of the great defensive specialists, 3 and D guys in Wolves history, Trenton Hassel. Okay. 32, a ball of energy, Jared Vanderbilt, who I think was a huge reason why the Timberwolves jumped back into playoff contention two years ago. And same for this guy for five years ago, Taj Gibson is 31. So kind of a run of defensive specialists here with Hassel, Vanderbilt, and Taj Gibson. I, I like putting Vando and Taj in the, just kind of back to back in in the ranks uh someone had messaged me this the other day like we should answer the question of what is like the timberwolves shot 
like in the history of the team, like what would you say? Oh, that's that's the shot for the Timberwolves. And I couldn't really think of one. But thinking of Tosh Gibson, like that's probably again, yes, please be self-aware and make fun of yourself. Tosh Gibson probably had like one of the top 10 moments in franchise history when he yeah. steals that ball in the corner to win kind of the, the game 82 thing. So again, a basic strip steal in a regular season game being a top 10 moment in this franchise's history says a lot, but I mean, that was a big moment for them. I remember, I think I cried when it happened and they beat the that's a great question. Like if you think offensively, what are the most famous shots in wolves history? There's, um, there's one Malik, didn't Malik Seeley bank in a game winner one time. Against the Pacers, I, I'm I think sure. so. There was a, I think it was like they ran a really. Rick Adelman was coaching the team, I believe. It was the Kevin Love at his prime with the Wolves. They were down and playing the Clippers. I think it was the Blake Griffin, Chris Paul stuff. They kind of ran this like elevator doors, uh, ATO where Kevin Love popped and hit a three to win the game. Yes, um, I can't remember. I got to go look that up now. I don't know who was on the team. Johnny Flynn might have been there. Wesley Johnson might have been there. But I remember that. Again, I was I was watching that game at Cuzzy's in Minneapolis. Oh, the, that little dive bar off of Washington. That. But uh, yeah, if, if 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 you're in the comments or on Twitter, like send us other ideas because I was really stuck. I was like, I don't really know if the Wolves. I mean, maybe that one run in the Western Conference Finals, but I don't think they had like a shot. Well, there was the Sam Cassell had the Sam Cassell went on a run and it was like he hit a three or a, or a pull up two from 15 and then did the big balls dance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where he hurt himself and then he was out. That like hell, that was like game two, I want to say, and it daggered the Kings. And KG had a couple baseline shots against the Kings in game seven. But yeah, there's not, there's not a whole lot of KG didn't have that many game winners to begin with. He wasn't, you know, it wasn't like Kobe where he's every other game. He's taken a game winning shot. Again, when so. you're the team with the lowest winning percentage in all of sports for the longest time, like, yeah, you don't really have a lot of game winners. Cause you're yeah. not really winning a lot of games. <laughs> tough to find them. But uh, yeah, if you have any ideas, submit them to us. But I, I remember that Kevin Love one was like, again, not the shot, but it was a, a memorable shot. So J.R. Ryder actually had one in like 1994 or 95 where he was falling out of bounds kind of between like where you'd inbound the ball mm-hmm. on a half court and the half court line and he like he's running out of bounds and he throws the ball kind of up behind his back with his back to the court and it goes up in the air and goes in Kevin Harlan was on the call if you google like J.R. Ryder crazy shot or something or YouTube it it'll show up it's like classic wolves uniforms the target center <laughs> malik beasley almost had one too around parade of homes but anyway keep yeah, going that's true it's another one get off that guy's lawn uh okay we're into the 20s here well number 30 down to 21 30 jabe mcdaniels i guess he's kind of yep. included in the run of defensive specialists here but okay. he's one of the best lockdown defenders in the nba he, he's ascending here number 29 one of the great three-point shooters and role players of the kg era anthony peeler Peeler also like single-handedly almost won that Sonics game five. He like went off for 29 good, points or something. Really good player that we don't really talk about enough. 28 Chauncey Billups, a couple solid seasons as a backup point guard before he went on to fame. 27. Again, this is like the peak version of these players. Derek Rose averaged 18 points in the second season with the Wolves and dropped a 50 burger. 26 Mike Conley. Because he was really good for he was really good for like three months. Good leader. Twenty-five, uh Tyrone Corbin from the early nineties, a good stat stuffing wing player. Twenty-four, we make fun of him and and the under the table deals for Joe Smith, but Joe Smith was he wasn't worth giving up four first round picks and sabotaging, you know, half of the KG era. 
But uh, he was a really good, solid player at 24. 23, Kyle Anderson. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like that. Uh, One of the best free agent signings in Wolves history. Yep, nope. And and a leader. Dude, he's he's one of the 25 best team roles. Fight me. I am so with that. He's everything I thought Andre Karolinko would be. Winning DNA. Winning DNA. Uh, 22, Gorgie Jeng. And 21, I've got kids to feed Latrell Sprewell. Now we're really getting into the meat and potatoes of this. Good names. Uh, The one little note I had back on the Corey Brewer thing, Corey Brewer and uh, Minnesota Mike, Mike Conley, drafted in the same draft back in 2007. Wow. Um, And also, if you go back and look, this is the one draft you could kind of go look at. I think we look at Corey Brewer. I know we're going back a little bit as like a as a missed draft pick. I think he actually had a pretty solid Timberwolves career. He was was a seventh overall pick. Yep, I mean, Yo- or Joachim Noah was drafted ninth, but there's a lot of like Brandon Wright, Spencer Hawes, AC Law. Um, if you Julian get a Wright. good role player, a good two way role player with the seventh pick in most drafts, you're, you're yeah. probably not getting a superstar with the seventh pick, right? Yeah, that draft was that was the Odin Durant draft, but I mean, there was a lot of really bad players in that. I guess Marcus Saul was in the second round, but Corey Brewer had a better career than I think we give him credit for. But again, yeah. he is. I'm pretty sure I think he's out of the league. I think he's an assistant coach with maybe the Kings, but Mike Conley at his ripe old age is still getting it done. So shout out to Mike Conley. I like that one. Mike Conley is a top 30 player in Timberwolves history. And that is wild. Yeah. All right. We're into the top 20 here. And this is where, this is where the debates are going to really rage. Number 20, D'Angelo Russell. I wanted to put him lower because I just, I soured on him so much, but he helped the Wolves get back to, he did. Just a competitive state. He was a good player. He was frustrating at times, but man, he could carry a game once in a while too. So Delo's number twenty. Nikola Pekovic, nineteen. Was it you that sent me the photo of Peck now? Peck's put on about seventy-five pounds, just living a fat and happy life. Yeah, I don't want to get spotted at one of the FIBA games. But he's like the president of I don't think Serbia, but he's like the president of one of the international basketball associations, which again I'm pretty sure you can Google him and he's like part of a drug cartel. Yeah. Uh, and so when you're the leader of a drug cartel, you can really do whatever you want. But yeah, you can he has gotten a little bigger. I'm guessing the cardio has not been the same since he left the league. But it was cool when the Wolves were really, really, really bad to have a guy that was fun, fun to interview, fun to talk to, but also like renowned around the league as like, I mean, he, Peck would have been great on social just because everyone would have talked about him. But every athlete in the league was like, he's the scariest guy to go against. He's so strong. He's a left tackle playing basketball. Yeah, he would. God, man, I just I wonder, would his game at all translate 10 years later? Like, would would he be able to sit out there and just have like a like a flat footed, uh, like like dad at the Lifetime Fitness Gym three point set shot or something like like uh, Arvita Sabonis from the 90s? Could he just sit out there and like pop some threes without jumping? I don't know. He would get cooked so bad like defensively and pick and roll <laughs> but he would also just lay some sc- like he would get ant open at end of game situation because he would just nuke a guy so and yeah. then watching him shoot threes would be hilarious because i'm pretty sure he took zero in his career yeah so so peck is 19 number 18 he he didn't live up to the hype and he didn't live up to maybe everyone's expectations injuries played a role but he was a damn good player ricky rubio one of the great distributing point guards in franchise history he could rebound could play some defense, and he was a huge reason why the Wolves got back to being. They weren't in the playoffs with him, but they got back to being like a 500 team. And and then it's kind of a what if for that era, right? 
Is that too high for Rubio? I, I, he's one of the more polarizing players. I just, because I think some people are like, he couldn't shoot. And some NBA fans just like, if you can't shoot, you're kind of like on their hate list. I just think of all the extra stuff he did. I mean, that whole saga, again, to bring it back to modern day, would have been so much fun because we would have been like tracking Spanish jets and stuff, right? Yeah. On, on Twitter. Uh, he was a big reason that I cheer for the team now or follow the team now. He was a nice bridge. He never reached his potential. I mean, watching that Spain game where he was that Spain USA kind of knockout drag out gold medal game. Uh, the kid was 16, 17 years old going up against some of the world's best players, but never really worked out for him here. Again, a lot of that just falls back on management and the organization, not putting the right pieces around him, but he needed, I, he needed shooters around him. And it was like, if you imagine Rubio bef- before he got old and sort of injured even more, with just four dudes who could shoot, mm-hmm. you know, and and they might have tried to do that a couple times, but it just never the roster never felt. I mean, like Derek a Ricky Williams Rubio never roster. got a never got his shot to work. And again, I I there is a tweet out there somewhere where I'm like, is Derek Williams the next LeBron James? Uh, the Wesley Johnson thing was a was a big mistake. Uh, yeah, it just didn't work out. And then obviously the injury tearing his ACL against Kobe that one night. Uh, but I know I don't think it's too high. I mean, again, we are we are really shopping at the bargain bin here, but Ricky Rubio is a top 20 Timberwolves player without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's see. Rubio was 18, 17, Tony Campbell. So Tony Campbell, Ooh. early nineties, hmm. he went from winning a championship as a role player with the Lakers in like 1988 or 89. His first year with the Timberwolves, he was the starting shooting. He was a bench player with the Lakers and the Pistons in the eighties and nineties, early nineties. And then he comes over to the Timberwolves First year, 23 points, six rebounds, three assists, and uh, played almost 40 minutes a night for the upstart Timberwolves. He was just the spark for those early teams, along with, I think they were the backcourt for the first three years, the starting point guard, shooting guard. Pooh Richardson is next on my list. So I've got Tony Campbell, Pooh Richardson, 17-16. Really good, feisty players who put up big box scores and numbers. So Pooh Richardson... Um, at his peak was a 17 points a game, nine assists, four rebounds, energizer bunny all over the place. And was, uh, was one of the first popular players in Wolves history. Number 15, Christian Leitner. Yeah. Yeah. Good player on bad teams. This is probably too high for him, but like he, he was a good player. Number 14. I'm, I'm putting him higher than he probably should be, but I think, just based on his importance for this franchise's history, Sam Mitchell deserves to be in the top 15. Yep, no pushback there. I don't love the okay. Leitner pick, but again, I think that's more just I don't love Leitner, the player of yeah. or the person. Um, but no, Sam Mitchell is a top 15 Minnesota Timberwolves. Number 13, Andrew Wiggins. Yep. Number 12, Rudy Gobert. I know, he... I know what people think. I know the narrative. But Rudy Gobert, if you start to look, and dig he's one of the best defensive bigs and rebounders in franchise history again like at your peak how far down can, can you put Gorgie Jang above him can you put can I, you put like I guess you could put Pekovic above him but I think I think this version of Gobert is a better winning player than that version of Pekovic I, I get it's bias, polarizing but bias aside, I mean bias aside the gap between Jaden McDaniels and Rudy Gobert since we've only seen one season of Rudy Gobert, seems a little wide. I okay. think you had Rudy about 13, 14, and Jane was like 30th. 30, yeah. So That's that fair. one is 
an issue to me. But no, I mean, it's like at first glance, I want to tell you that's idiotic. And then when I run through my notes and see the list, it's like, oh, where, where would you put them? Like, you're not going to drop them outside the top 20. So I think he led the Wolves in win shares last year, too. You know, he just he, he does even when he's not playing the greatest, he does provide some sneaky value. So it's well, probably too high. It's probably too high. He has a he has an opportunity this year to to win people back. So he had a lot more action blocking people on offline last year than online. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so we'll. Uh, OK, so 13 for him. Uh, he's 12. Al 12. Jefferson is 11. OK, that that was my question. Now, there's no way he's ahead of Al Jefferson. Al Jefferson was great, man. Just he had his two or three little moves in the post. He could do his little, those little bunny bunny hooks from, you know, 10, 12 feet away. And now we get to the top 10. Number 10, Stefan Marbury. Okay. Yep. A lot of people are going to say that's too low, but this is going to get good. I'm excited. Number 10, Stefan Marbury. Number nine, Wally Zerbiak. Number, number eight, Anthony Edwards. I need another full season. I need another full season. Kyle, let turn me, on the let, cameras. <laughs> let, let, me, let me list the other ones and then you can fight me, okay? He's still not, if you think back, like we think about the peak moments, but there is still, he could throw up a lot of duds. You know, he could put up the three for 17s and disappear defensively. I think we're getting a more molded, consistent version of him going into this season. But I've got Anthony Edwards, number eight. Number seven, Tom Gugliata. So Tom Gugliotta was the first ever all-star in Timberwolves history, and he was in right there with Kevin Garnett and Stefan Marbury. Yeah, no. The reason why they became a relevant, competent team in 1996. So, so Tom Gugliotta, 21 points a game, nine rebounds, four assists, steals, blocks. I remember growing up watching him. He was just a bucket. He was a mid-range bucket every time down the floor. Uh, he was efficient. He could play some defense. And he was, he was a catalyst for why the Timberwolves went from being a laughing stock to a forty-five win team. So Tom, t- googly oogly oogly baby, as Kevin Harlan would say. Number six, the most underrated player in Timberwolves history, Terrell Brandon. Yes, yeah. They went from Stephon Marbury to Terrell Brandon, and got better mm-hmm. because Terrell Brandon was a more professional consistent leader point guard. He understood this is Kevin Garnett's team. I'm here to feed that, but I can also score. I've got a pull-up game. Terrell Brandon was excellent for like three seasons in the late nineties, taking over for Stefan Marbury carbon copy of what the Timberwolves are going through now with D'Angelo Russell and Mike Conley. Yep. Yep. Number five, Jimmy Butler. One season of one season of glory. And it was glorious. Did the Wolves acquire someone I don't know? Because I can't think of four more players. But keep going. Keep cooking. Number four, Sam Cassell. Okay. Number three, Kevin Love. Number two, Carl Anthony Towns, despite me being a hater. (laughs) And uh, number one, Kevin Garnett. I'll give you the top ten one more time in order. Yeah, run it back one more time. KG, number one. Carl Anthony Towns, number two. Now, you I, now if you wanted to fight me and say the one year of Jimmy Butler was such a dog year, like he was such a bulldog, and you want to put him number two since I'm weighing, I'm weighing peak performance over longevity, but Cat has been an all NBA caliber player, and he's been he he's got flaws that drive me nuts, but he's also a unicorn. He's super talented. 
So he's number two. Kevin Love's number three. Sam Cassell, peak Sam Cassell is number four. Jimmy Butler, five. Trell Brandon, six. Tom Gugliotta, seven. Anthony Edwards, eight. Wally, nine. Stefan Marbury, ten. Those are my top ten wolves. So the list we did back in June, just to go one through ten quick, was Kevin Garnett, one. Jimmy Butler, two. Kevin Love, three. Cat, four. Ant, five. Zerbiak, six. Cassell, seven. Gugliotta, eight. Al Jefferson, nine. And Spreewell, ten. So yeah. Spreewell was pretty high on that list. But outside Spree, of that, Spree was, he was fine. He was kind of at that point in his career, though, he's, he wasn't the same guy. He wasn't on the level of like what KG and Sam Cassell brought to that team. I don't I mean the ant stuff at eight. Like, again, they're, they're, what a weird comp, right? Like him and Gugliotta, like in terms of all kind of first all stars in a while, bringing the team back to relevance. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe not even the best player at the time that they were bringing the team back to relevance. You know, Gugliotta had Kevin Garnett. And had Carl. Uh, but I don't think I find too much. Again, I think the Rudy Gobert, Jane McDaniels gap is pretty big. And then just after you listed way too many guys that have brought full sadness to my life, Tyus <laughs> Jones, uh, Tyus Jones to me is the top 50 Timberwolves player. Cause I also think he was a really good backup point guard. Everything you'd want, like you said, in the Terrell Brandon mold. Over See, like, the like the thing. Memphis version of Tyus is a top 20 Timberwolves player. That's true. That's true. But the Wolves version of Tyus, who couldn't really shoot at the time, like he was like, he didn't figure out how to shoot till he got to Memphis, I feel like. But, um, but yeah, like he, he might be a little bit too is, low. So now that we've done that and we've gone 50 minutes just naming people from the past, I want to ask you, is there a guy? I mean, you've, you've named some of them. But is there a guy on the roster right now? that you could see moving up the most or adding himself to this list if we do it again next summer? I think Anthony Edwards, if if he is the front man for a 50-win team that wins a playoff series, and it's and it's his baby, and everyone else is along for the ride as a good as good role players. If we get that from Ant this year, he for sure moves above Gugliata, Terrell Brandon, and probably then would move a he would move above Jimmy Butler. I mean Cassell helped drive the Wolves to a Western Conference Finals, you know? Mm-hmm. So the, the to me the top four, I guess I guess I could hear a case then. The more I think about this, I should probably have Cassell over Love and then Love spot the most vulnerable to get into the top four. If I could yeah, change I mean, one thing, I would actually flip flop Love and Cassell. I would put Cassell as the third best wolf of all time. I would say like Carl Stock has the is the word like he has nowhere to go but down right he'll never catch Kevin Garnett, yeah. um so being at two on your list he's gonna come down Ant could rise, I think you could make a case that Rudy Gobert could rise, yep. and to be like if if this season really turned out to be I know we're doing it again but like a fifty win team and he gets back to all defensive kind of caliber stuff you could see him, I mean who who did you have tenth on your list at ten Stefan Marbury. I could you if Rudy Gobert had a Utah Jazz season, he could you could mm-hmm. argue he's in the top ten. Nas Reed could make a jump too. You get Nas Reed all of a sudden. Oh, we found twenty five minutes a night for you, Nas. Go out and I think Nas Reed has a better chance of climbing up the charts than like Kyle Anderson. I I think Kyle Anderson's going to have a diminished role this year just because of all the different depth they have, and maybe they want him you know saved up for the playoffs type thing. But yeah. uh, yeah, I think Nas Reed has a chance to to go up. To, I think Jaden and Nas could both be top 20 Timberwolves players by the end of the 20 mm. through 24 season. Wow. I know I'm going to get hammered by people for about three <laughs> or four of these, the Gobert thing, people are going to hammer me the Anthony Edwards thing. But again, I, you got to keep in mind. I, I was like 
10, 12 years old watching the, the first relevant good Timberwolves teams. Mm-hmm. And Tom Gugliotta was the professional veteran, veteran, but in his prime, like he was the adult in the room as KG was 19, 20, 21. And, and Stefan Marbury came on board. And by the way, Marbury and Gugliotta hated each other. And I think that led to Gugliotta getting traded to the Suns. And there's a whole story there, but, um, but so that so I, I will fight and die on a hill for Terrell Brandon and Tom Gugliotta because of how relevant they were flanking Kevin Garnett in the late night, mid 90s, late 90s. So but fun exercise Would love can't wait to see the comments in the YouTube comment section, Scorn Earth YouTube channel. And if you guys could flagrant howls, which has charted now a couple times as one of the 50 best and top basketball podcasts in America, you can help us rise by giving us a five star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts, on the Flagrant Howls podcast feed. So, all right, Kyle. I got a quick one Good for you stuff, on the way man. out. Quick one mm-hmm. for you on the way out. What, who, if you sit in the middle seat of a three-seat on a plane, the middle seat, do you believe that you deserve both armrests? Okay, I, as a as a Minnesota people pleaser, I assume... I assume elbows in if I'm in the middle, unless somebody gives me... I just assume if I'm in the middle, I am everybody's B-I-T-C-H for the next, like, two or three hours. And if somebody gives me a little elbow room, I will graciously take it. I mean, that's kind of how I roll, I guess. Maybe I'm being too too passive. I also, anyone who knows me, I'm very North Dakota nice, but I feel the complete opposite. The window, you have the window. You can take IG photos. You can just lean against it sleeping. I can't sleep sitting up. If you have the aisle, you have the ability to put your legs out there. If you're longer, taller, whatever. If you're in the middle, those two armrests on your right and left are yours. You can take them with you if you want, but those are yours. So if I put my That's arms fair. on there, get your arms off there. Okay. I'm going to try bleeped, that next time. Get bleeped, buddy, as David Kahn would say. I try to avoid the middle seat for that very reason. I just, you know, I don't like to be sandwiched in too much, but I will try that next time. Be aggressive and see what happens. <laughs> Use promo code Kyle and tell him I sent you. <laughs> All right, this is your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, at least we hope. Flagrant House, he's Kyle, I'm Phil, and if you guys want to start working on 101 through 200 on your all-time Timberwolves list, let us know, and uh, we'll get you on the show.